0: Matthew 24.12 And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The use of faith in a time of general declension in religion by John Owen. How may we live by faith under an apprehension of great and woeful decays in the church, in church members, in professors of all sorts, and in the gradual withdrawing of the glory of God from all of us on that account? I would speak to three things, one, that this is such a time of decay among us, among churches, among church members, and professors of all sorts and ways throughout this nation, yea, in other nations also, where there are any that fear God. Number two, that this is and ought to be a cause of great trouble and trial to all that are true believers. And then three, I shall show you how we may live by faith in such a season, What it is faith will do to support the soul at such a time, that it is now such a time of decay. There are too many evidences of it. I will name a few things. First, a sense of it is impressed upon the minds of all the most judicious and diligent Christians, that abound most in self-examination, or take most notice of the ways of God. Multitudes have heard testifying of it, Complaints are received from many in this nation, and the neighboring nations, that there is a great spiritual decay as to the power of grace and life of faith among all sorts of professors, and some of them will go further in their evidence and tell us that they find the effects of it in themselves, that they find it a matter of great difficulty, requiring great watchfulness and great diligence in any measure to keep up themselves to their former frames. And when they have done all, they do not attain their desire. And to increase this evidence, we are all convinced of it, or else we are notorious hypocrites. For I know not how often I have heard it prayed over in this very place. So there is sent forth from God a conviction upon the hearts and minds of spiritual self-examining believers. The churches, church members, professors, and themselves are under spiritual decays. This is the first evidence, and therefore in such a season it was the best part of the church that made that sad complaint in Isaiah 63 verse 17, O Lord, why have you made us to err from your ways and harden our heart from your fear? They were sensible that there was a judgment of the hand of God upon them. But secondly, the open lack of love that is among churches, among church members, among professors is another evidence of spiritual decay. I will not speak of the lack of love among churches one to another, but as to love among church members, we have scarce a shadow of it remaining among us, where men have relations, where they have acquaintance, where they have been old friends, where they agree in humour and converse, there is an appearance of love, and where do they agree in a party and faction? There is an appearance of love, but upon a pure spiritual account of Christianity and church membership, we have, I say, scarce a shadow of it left among us. I do remember how it was with us, when it was a joy of heart to behold a face of one another, in which there was love without dissimulation, love and sincerity. Love attended with pity, compassion, condescension, yea, love attended with delight. But it is dead in churches dead among professors. Thirdly, another evidence of this spiritual decay is lack of delight, intelligence, in the ordinances of gospel worship. These ordinances were wont to be a joy of heart to all that feared God. But now there is so much deadness, coldness and indifferency, so much undervaluing of the word, full of self, pride, and so much an apprehension that we know everything. So little endeavor to tremble at every truth, by what means, however, it be brought to us. it gives a manifest evidence of woeful decays that are fallen upon us. Dead preachers, dead hearers. All things now go down among the churches of God and professors in this nation. And this is attended with two desperate evils, one of which I have heard of but lately, But upon inquiry I find it to be a far greater evil than I took it to be, namely, men, under an apprehension that they do not see others enlivened nor quickened as they were wont to be by the ordinances of divine worship, and finding no such thing in their own hearts, neither in all probability finding themselves to grow dead and useless, are fallen into an opinion that there is an end to them, and that they ought to attend to them no more. And this befalls some that have long walked soberly and with great diligence in the use of ordinances, some in the city and in other places are led by foolish delusions to it, because they do not find the spirit and life and power of the word and ordinances in themselves, and, as they think, in others, A godly and learned minister that showed me a discourse written upon this subject in defense of ordinances acquainted me with so great a number falling into this abomination that I did not think it had been possible. This is one of the evils. The other evil that attends it is this, that this deadness and indifference to ordinances and a lack of bringing our necks to the yoke of Christ in them, against all disputings and arguings of flesh and blood, has taken such a place among us. It proceeded so far that all ways of reformation are useless. Men may make divisions, and do I know not what? But this I do know. There is no way of obtaining any reformation, but for men to engage their hearts to return to God in more delight in his service than there has been. Some utterly forsake the assembling of themselves together, Some come with great indifference in them, using their liberty off and on at their pleasure. Are not these things evidences of great decays among us? To me, they are. I don't speak as to this congregation in particular, but as to the state of all churches that I know or can hear of in these nations. The last evidence I shall mention of these decays among us is our worldly-mindedness. Conformity to the world. In carnal security, they things have been so often spoken to you, and no reformation has ensued that now they are looked upon as words of course, and I am discouraged from speaking of them any more. But assure yourselves, this conformity to the world, and this carnal security that is yet found among us, is a great evidence that the glory of God is departing from us. Ministers preach against worldly-mindedness, security, and so on, but it makes no impression upon the minds of men. For we can scarce give an instance of any of the least reformation. These things plainly demonstrate that we are all under great spiritual decays. A sense of this general decay among churches, church members, and professors ought to be an exercise and concern to our minds if we think all is well with us and are satisfied while we are free from outward troubles and don't concern ourselves about our spiritual decays. I will not say we are hypocrites, but truly we are poor, low, dead, carnal, and spiritual Christians. I thought to have spoken to these three heads to show you how God is dishonored by this general spiritual decay, how the world is offended and scandalized at it, how the ruin of churches is hastened by it, which will befall them assuredly unless God recovers out of this bad state. But I shall waive these things and proceed. Suppose it be thus, and we do complain of it to one another, not knowing what the issue will be, or what it may come to. How shall we live by faith under this consideration? What is the work of faith in this state? If things are so, and I wish anyone could evidence that they are not, but suppose for once that they are so, and our souls are burdened with an apprehension that they are so. Then what will faith do to enable us to pass through this exercise and to live to God? I will tell you something of what I find, and if God help you not to better things, make use of these, and improve them, that you may give glory to God by believing under this condition also. First, faith will mind a soul that notwithstanding us also yet Christ has built his church upon that rock that it shall not utterly be prevailed against. The promised faith says extends itself as well to the inbred adversaries of our own souls, our unbelief, deadness, and all these things as to our outward enemies, Matthew 16, verse 18, upon that rock. I will build my church, Indigates that hell shall not prevail against it. Though we were all dead, helpless, lifeless, poor creatures. Though we had retained almost nothing but outward order. And had lost a very vigor and essence of faith and obedience. Yet Christ's church shall abide and stand. And those that belong to him shall be preserved. Such and such are turned apostates, saith the apostle. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. Here's my ground of hope. Notwithstanding all this, though one falls after another, though one goes through spiritual decay after another, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, and it has a seal upon it. The Lord knows them that are his. Everyone who has effectually been called and built upon the rock. Jesus Christ, shall be preserved, whatever befalls a residue of the world. To see such a confluence of all manner of dangerous evils from without, is their coming, this day upon the church of God, and to see in the meantime so many evidences of a decaying spiritual state in believers themselves. It will put faith to exercise itself upon this promise of Christ, upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you find your spirits at any time press with these things, if nothing better occurs at hand, exercise faith upon this promise of Christ, and upon the firm standing of the foundation of God, that he knows who are his, and will carry them through all these difficulties, and land them safe into eternity. Number two, faith will also mind the soul that God has yet the fullness and residue of the Spirit and can pour it out when he pleases to recover us from this woeful state and condition and to renew us to holy obedience to himself. There are more promises of God's given supplies of his Spirit to deliver us from inward decays than there are for the putting forth the acts of his power to deliver us from our outward enemies. And God is able to do the inward work, to revive and renew a spirit of faith, love, and holiness, of meekness, humility, self-denial, and readiness for the cross. He is able, with one word and act of his grace, to renew it, as he is able by one act of his power to destroy all of his enemies and make them the footstool of Christ when he pleases. Live in the faith of this. The Psalmist says in Psalm one forty seven verses sixteen and seventeen, He scatters a hoar frost, and the issue is the earth is frozen. He brings a death upon it. But he says in Psalm one o four verses thirty, You send forth your spirit, and you renew the face of the earth. In like manner, there is a deadness upon all churches and professors in some measure at this time. But God who has the fullness of the Spirit can send him forth and renew the face of the soul, can give professors and profession another face, not to tram and trick as now so often it is done, not so high and haughty, not so earthly and worldly as is now so much seen, but humble, meek, holy, broken-hearted and self-denying. God can send forth his Spirit when he pleases and give all our churches and professors a new face, and a verdure and flourishing of his grace in them. When God will do this, I know not, but I believe God can do this. He is able to do it, able to renew all of his churches by sending out supplies of the Spirit whose fullness is with him to recover them in a due and appointed time. And further, I believe truly that when God has accomplished some ends upon us, and has stained the glory of all flesh, he will renew the power and glory of religion among us again, even in this nation. I do believe it truly, but not as I believe the other things I have mentioned to you, for those I believe absolutely, namely that Christ has built his church upon a rock, and that nothing shall ever finally prevail against it, and that God has the fullness and residue of the Spirit to renew us again, to all the glory of profession and holy obedience. These, I propose, as truths that are infallible, that will not fail you, and upon which you may venture your souls to eternity. And if your faith in these things will not give you support and comfort, I know not what else will. When your souls are perplexed within you about these things, your faith will say to you, O my soul, why are you cast down? Are not all these things foretold you? 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, That in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 5, That in the last days perilous times shall come, because men should have a form of godliness but deny the power. Has it not been foretold that churches shall decay and lose their first faith and love and examples that have been set before you? Why are you surprised? Says our Savior John 16 verse 4, the things I have told you, that when the time shall come you may remember that I told you of them. Nothing surprised me as much as this one thing. How could it possibly be that after so many instructions, after so many mercies, trials, and fears, after so many years carrying our lives in our hands and so many glorious deliverances, there should yet be spiritual decays found amongst us and such going backward in the faith. It is a great surprisal to one that considers it right, but seeing it is foretold that so it shall be, let us live by faith. God has some great end to accomplish out of it, and then all will be well. When I perform my whole work upon Mount Zion, God says, Isaiah 10 verse 12, and lastly, if it be an exercise, will put every soul in whom it is on a special attendance to those duties God calls them to in such a season, disaccomplishes and completes our living by faith, under such a trial as this is, if faith be in us and in exercise, it will put us upon all these duties that God requires of us in such a season first. It will put us upon self-examination how far we ourselves are engaged in these decays and have contracted the guilt of them. Secondly, it will put us upon great mourning by reason of God's withdrawing himself from us. Thirdly, it will put us upon watchfulness over ourselves and over one another, that we be not overtaken by the means and causes of these decays. Fourthly, it will put us upon zeal for God in the honor of the gospel, that it may not suffer by reason of our miscarriages. In one word, faith will do something, but for our parts we do little or nothing. Faith will do something, I say, wherever it is, when it is stirred up to exercise. But as to these spiritual duties in reference to these decays that all professors are fallen under. Oh, how little is it? We do in any kind whatever, would we might advise with one another what to do under these decays, to further one another in recovering ourselves from them. This sin is what we are called to and is required of us, namely faith and the faithfulness of Christ who has built his church upon the rock, so that be things never so bad, it shall not be prevailed against faith and the fullness of the Spirit and His promise to send him to renew the face of the church faith and apprehension the truth of God, who has foretold these things and faith, putting us upon those special duties that God requires at our hands, in such a season as this, John Owen.